is A to Z with Mark Zinno, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, and it starts now. Good afternoon. Welcome to A to Z here on Locked On Sports Atlanta, where today I tell you it's all about choices. Welcome in. We are live here on this Tuesday afternoon, just 48 hours away from the NFL draft. Appreciate you making A to Z part of your daily sports listening experience. Give me a follow on Twitter at Mark Zinno, M-A-R-K-Z-I-N-N-O. And make sure you follow Locked On Sports Atlanta at Locked On ATL. Dave Choate of the Falcoholic going to join us coming up here in the next segment. And, of course, uh, we have a lot to do referencing the Atlanta Braves and the Atlanta Hawks game five tonight coming up. Uh, We'll do all that before the end of the show. But I do want to start with the NFL draft and Terry Fontenot and the challenge that is in front of him right now and Arthur Smith and what they have in front of them. And really, you know, I I keep saying, and I've said this to a bunch of guests who are going to be on the show, like I, I just for once want it to be easy and obvious for the Falcons, right? And, and let's go back to the first, or some sorry, second year, 2016 draft for the Atlanta Falcons. In the year that they drafted uh, Vic Beasley, okay? Um, I'm sorry, that was 2015, rather. It was the first year of Dan Quinn because they were drafting, I think it was eight or six overall. They were in the top 10 because they were bad. But anyway, I say all this to, to say that they drafted Vic Beasley. And at the time, and don't play revisionist history here on me, folks, Nobody objected to the pick other than Georgia fans screaming that they should have taken Todd Gurley, right? When they had already had uh, a running back in Devonta Freeman who hadn't blown up to that point, but they certainly had running backs that they were comfortable with. Other than Georgia fans saying that, and that wouldn't have worked out all that well either because both Vic Beasley and Todd Gurley, Todd Gurley is almost out of the league at this point, but you get, he's completely ineffective at this point in his career. So from that standpoint, there really was no other option. Like everybody was comfortable with Vic Beasley. It made sense. It was a fit. It was a need. Nobody really objected to it. And that's kind of what I want. Like, I, I hope it is a situation where Kayvon Thibodeau falls to eight, right? Like, it's just obvious. How do you pass it? Like, just take him. What I don't want there to be is no wide receivers taken. Kayvon Thibodeau to be there. One of the two offensive tackles in Eka McWanu, uh, or Evan Neal to be there. Like, I don't need that kind of chaos for the Falcons as somebody who's watching this thing. And I don't think Terry Fontenot wants that kind of chaos because in reality, I would hope that the amount of second guessing is limited. The, the amount of, of people who are going to look back at the draft and go, he made a bad pick. Like there were so many other options out there and he did it wrong. To me, that is the worst case scenario for the Falcons. I think I've made a clear argument and I'll probably do it again tomorrow and on Thursday, uh, as I reiterate it over and over again, if you're listening for the first time, I've made a clear argument for every position that the Falcons have. The one position they absolutely cannot take is wide receiver. And no punters and kickers don't count, so don't ask. They cannot take a wide receiver. It's just, just derelict. It's, it's inexcusable at this point for two years in a row to draft a pass-receiving target for a quarterback and an offensive line that can't do it. It's the bottom line. Like it's just they, this isn't about best player available when you have other clear pressing holes. Forget need. You have actual vacancies. You don't have bodies there right now um, that can actually play at an NFL level. So 
there is no reason, there is no excuse for taking a wide receiver. That said, I think there's obviously an argument for pass rusher. There's a great ar argument for offensive line. Uh, clearly, anybody in the defensive secondary is fine. Cornerback, safety, I think those are all good. Um, linebacker, yes, they need linebackers. Absolutely, they desperately need linebackers. But I don't know that there's one projected that high at eight that it would that really they they could take one there without being second guessed. Um, and and same thing goes for running back. They need a running back, but clearly you can't take one at eight overall without being second guessed. Other than that, they're not going to take a tight end. We know that. But any pass catching threat at this point to me, it's all the same. Doesn't matter. So I just want it all to be very simple for them. And, and I hope it is. I hope Terry Fontenot gets the obvious pick sitting him, staring him in the face. It doesn't have to be sexy because if it's an offensive lineman, it's not a bad pick. It's not going to put butts in the seats at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. No one's really going to like it. You're going to hear collective groans from Falcons fans everywhere. What did it do? It's a smart move. You have to rebuild an entire roster at this point. There's no reason not to start on the offensive line. I know we're all lusting after pass rushers. I know we're all lusting after guys who get after the quarterback and can get sacks. I get it. And, and there's no reason not to be lusting after that position because it's super important. But I'll make an argument that that offensive line may be more important, especially when you're about to take a young quarterback here in the next year or two, even this year, uh, possibly, that you're going to give reps to to try and play in the NFL. So I'm okay with them taking a quarterback at eight. I, I, obviously, you're going to be open to second guessing. Obviously, Terry Fontenot and Arthur Smith are hitching their collective employment futures onto that pick. And that's okay. It really is okay. Uh, if you have the trust and the faith of ownership, then it's okay to roll the dice. I, as I said repeatedly, I like GMs who swing big. I'm okay if they miss big. Totally okay with it. That's how, that's how you end up with Super Bowls. That's how you end up with championship trophies is by taking big risks. It's the only way it happens. It, it doesn't happen very slowly. It doesn't happen. I mean, it, theoretically, it could happen slowly and over a long, long course of time, but that's probably not what fans are willing to wait for. You're willing to wait when you're a team that's perennially in the playoffs every year and has a chance to win a Super Bowl every year. When you're the Falcons, when you're the Lions, when you're the Browns, um, you don't like to wait around. When you're the Chargers, you don't like to wait around. When you're the Texans, you're not going to wait around. It's just not going to happen. So uh, the the Falcons have in Terry Fontenot a very, very tough job in front of them. I don't envy them. I really, really don't. And while I don't really get a good feeling one way or another of what they're going to do, um, I, I get a sense that they should be smarter than their predecessors. And what I mean by that is not take the flashy thing that everybody's lusting after. Take the smart thing that helps rebuild your roster. And that could be a quarterback, by the way. Absolutely could be a quarterback. I just hope that the choice that they make is one that really works for them and one that is the first major building block in turning this organization around that you'll look back on the 2022 draft and go, that's really where it started for the Atlanta Falcons in the turnaround, was that one draft pick. But again, I'll also remind you, don't get so hung up on one draft pick. This whole thing is about the entire draft. All these guys are going to get a chance to make the team. They're all going to get a chance to play if they do make the team because the Falcons need bodies. You got $50 million in dead cap space. You need cheap bodies. And the draft is the cheapest way to go. Those dudes in the fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh round, they're going to play. They're going to get chances. They're going to be on the roster, most likely. Because you can't afford anybody else. And you may as well keep them because you invested the draft capital in them. It's going to be a very important draft all around. Don't get hung up on eight. Eight's super important. 
Eight's the one that will second guess repeatedly. No one's going back and saying, you know, that third round pick they took, so-and-so is available 27 picks later in the fourth round. No one second guesses that, right? Because once you get out of the first round, it's so super subjective for so many things, and nobody is really smart enough to know this guy was rated so much higher on draft boards. Well, if he was rated so much higher, it wouldn't be a fourth, fourth, third or fourth round pick. He'd be a first or second round pick. It's just where it is. All right, coming up next, we are going to go talk with our good buddy Dave Choate of the Falcoholic. Uh, love those guys. Love their staff. They're a lot of fun, and they certainly have a lot of fun at their own expense and the Falcons' expense. He and I will have fun together next. You're watching and listening to A to Z right here on Locked On Sports Atlanta, free on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. Make sure you search Locked On Sports Atlanta. Welcome back into A to Z here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Give us a follow on Twitter at Locked On ATL. Of course, you can always follow me at Mark Zinno, M-A-R-K-Z-I-N-N-O. Make sure you check out all the great shows that we have here on Locked On Sports Atlanta every single day. We appreciate you guys making Locked On ATL a big part of your sports listening repertoire, uh, a big part of my sports and Falcons repertoire, both reading, visually stimulating all the time. Or my good friends out the faculty at the Falcoholic at the Falcoholic at the Falcoholic, and we welcome in the editor, the man. The, what is your actual title? You just run the Falcoholic and make us all laugh. It is Dave Choate here on A to Z. Dave, welcome and uh, happy draft week to you. Happy draft week. I can't believe we made it. Yeah, we did. surprised. Yeah, we, we absolutely did. Uh, it really is one of those years where you know. We always say nobody really knows what they're going to do, but there's a lot of options for the Falcons this year. Forget need for a second. There's just a lot of different ways they can go given their draft position and what is out there. So without making an official prediction or asking me to tell me what you think, I'm just saying if you were Terry Fontenot, I just annoyed you, Dave Cho, Terry Fontenot, you are making the pick. Who would you take? I would take Thibodeau. Um, I have been – into him as the pick if he was going to make it to eight for a long, long time now. And I am starting to believe probably foolishly because who knows what's happening this draft cycle um, that he's actually going to make it there. Um, and, and, you know, these reports that he would be sort of the quote unquote parachute pick for the Falcons that, you know, they'd be the team that would stop his slide um, have really encouraged me. And I, I mean, every year, Practically, I'm stumping for, you know, the next great edge rusher with that first round pick. And they haven't they haven't gotten that done. We got one great year of Vic Beasley. But um, to me, he could be that guy. Um, he would be the perfect pick. And he's the guy that if I'm Terry Fontenot, I'm uh, I'm certainly taking advantage of that slide. If he's not there, what yeah. are you hoping for next? That's a great question. I've been uh, I've been thinking about this one a lot and I think I have talked myself into, and again, here's another, is he here or not? But I think I've talked myself into Malik. Oh, you froze at such an well, inopportune time. Um, you froze, do that again. You froze at such a, like for the people who are going to watch this, what happened? What happened? Malik Willis is who you've talked yourself into. Yes. Okay. Malik Willis. Yes. Sorry about that. Um, <laughs> yes. And, uh, you know, with, with Oh, man, you're frozen again. What is going on here? See, this is bad juju for the Atlanta Falcons right now. When when the Falcoholic is freezing in the middle of our interview, I'm not sure the world is going to be able to, to, to operate here. So, Malik Willis, what happened? Why do you want Malik Willis? Well, hopefully I can finish my sentence. <laughs> my bad. Um, yeah, so the reason I want Malik Willis, I have, you know, 
a lot of confidence that with the right team, with the right landing spot, with patience, he's one of those guys that can turn out to be special. I think he's got all the tools you want. I think he's a smart quarterback, um, and I think he's willing to learn. I think he'd be excited to be in Atlanta. And where you have Mariota, you know, under a very flexible deal, you can have him just for this year. You can have him for two years. Um, you know, you can have him there to be that mentor. He's signaled he's willing to do that. Um, Willis to me is a guy that you, you take that high, even in a year like this, where, you know, the quarterbacks maybe aren't the, the best of the best, they all have their flaws. Um, and you, you take that time to develop him into somebody special because, you know, I don't think you can wait around if you like a guy and I, I can't imagine they don't like Willis, um, and hope that next year you're, you're getting somebody See now, now just in time to rescue you with all that cap space. We agree right. on the quarterback drafting philosophy. We'll get back to that in a minute. I want to ask you this question though. Uh, and that is what is the one position or even a player that if they take, you're going to be infuriated with? Yeah, I guess there really isn't one. I'm not going to be happy if they take a wide receiver. Thank you. That's that's the obvious answer. Yeah. Right. Like they're not, they, they, if they take a wide receiver, I, I've been saying to everybody, my puke factor for a wide receiver is like just a hair above zero. Like there's just no legitimate justification. I don't care. Best player available. I don't care any of that. When you are at eight, there are plenty of best players available. Right. Like that's just the, the reality of the situation. Um, this best safety likely is still going to be there in Kyle Hamilton. One of the two best corners is likely still going to be there, whether it's, you know, Derek Stingley Jr. or Ahmad Gardner. Uh, there's just no justifiable reason to take a wide receiver at this point, especially with nobody to block, no running game, and nobody to throw him the ball. Yeah, and I, I think you look at it, and I'm receptive to the idea that somebody like Drake London is is a good fit for this team. Obviously, huge guy, tons of yards after the, the Arthur Smith kind of guy, right? Like, he's yeah. the receiver he wants. Absolutely. Arthur Smith guy through and through. But like if you in back to back drafts are taking, you know, weapons for your your non-existent franchise quarterback, um, you know, who you, you don't really have protected, um, you know, the defense isn't built out like I get best player available. I can't imagine a receiver being the best player available. At eight. I just if you're going to trade down, maybe. But like it, it's to me, that would be a frustrating pick. The ever unsexy offensive tackle pick, which I actually think is an incredibly astute, shrewd move for the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, you know, and I know Charles Cross from Mississippi State said he doesn't want to play right tackle. He only wants to play left tackle. That's fine. Um, but if one of the three is there, Neil, Iguanu, or Cross, at a minimum, you're bookending your tackles for the quarterback you're going to theoretically take next year. And not only that, when you have to move off Jake Matthews because of his contract or he gets too old, you already have a guy who can slide over in a year or two and go play left tackle. It makes way too much sense to take one. Fans aren't going to be excited about it. No one's going to fill Mercedes-Benz Stadium because of it. But from a building a roster standpoint, it's a very smart move. I think so. And I think, you know, somebody like Neil, I a month ago, if you told me there was even a possibility Neil might be available at eight, I'd be jumping for it. Um, and obviously everything's unsettled, but it, it is. It, it would have been a smart pick a year ago. Um, it's a smart pick now. I think there's probably no way they pick up McGarry's um, fifth-year option. You know, you're not hanging your hat on McGarry or Fetty taking the job and, and convincing you they're going to hold it down for three to five years from here. So, you know, that's, that is a great pick. I, I am a firm believer it needs to be way better at building the trenches 
yeah. than they were under the last regime. And, and we know that. So either side of the ball, you get yourself an edge rusher, you get yourself a potentially dominant tackle. I, I'm very happy with that. Like you said, it's not sexy. It's not going to sell tickets all by itself, but it's going to be a foundational move for the next winner, which hopefully is coming soon because it could be five straight losing seasons, man. I'm tired. Yeah, I get it. Uh, now we've spent the last seven plus minutes just talking about the eighth overall pick. And I reminded my listeners, my viewers last week that you really have to judge this draft on its totality. You can't get hung up on what happens at eight. Even if it is a puke wide receiver, you can't get hung up on that so much as if they get a pass rusher in the second round with their two third round picks, if they fill out the offensive line, if they find another edge rusher there, uh, you know, all those things that are available in the fourth round, if they grab a safety, you continue to grow depth there. Like you have to look at what they're going to do in all seven rounds. There's really no fair way to judge this thing. I know all the attention is going to go to number eight and what happens there and whether it's bust or not. But in reality, Dave, you, there's a whole roster to build and no cap space to do it. So yeah. these seven guys are all going to get legitimate opportunities to at least make this team and play. Yeah, there's no question. And I think you look at, back at last year and they, you know, Terry Fontenot uh, at one of his press conferences made a, a big deal out of noting that they had more rookie snaps than any other team in the NFL a year ago. And they're going to be in that, that boat again. I, yeah. I firmly believe that. And even if they weren't, you know, you have to, build this team through the draft just as much as you do through free agency that money you know i know we're looking at maybe a hundred million plus next year that money's going to go fast you know there's only 25 30 players under contract um for next year so you look at that and you say to yourself if you don't hit on at least half these guys if you don't get legitimate contributors throughout the draft you're going to have to make up for that in free agency. You're going to have to make up for that in what's probably going to be a smaller draft class a year from now. Like it, it's tricky to do. The, the Falcons burned a couple of draft classes, you know, under Dimitrov in the last regime. 2017 really comes to mind as an example. And you just can't do that. Um, this team, if they don't get multiple contributors and if they don't you know, get more out of last year's class this year too, you're looking at going into next year with, with a lot more question marks than you'd like for what I'm viewing as, as a must win, no excuses type of year where you have, you know, two draft classes under your belt with a ton of draft capital and all that cap space. So it, it really is like top to bottom. We can get excited or be disappointed over number eight, but whatever they do from there is going to be just as important, if not more important for how the roster functions. All right, let's get back into this quarterback conversation because I really do enjoy it. I've had it with a lot of guests. And you said the key thing before. You don't wait on your quarterback if he's there. I, I as a Giants fan, I totally disagreed with them picking Daniel Jones. I, I didn't think he was a good quarterback selection. That said, I agreed with the philosophy of taking him at six, even though they had two picks, because you're not supposed to wait and hope your quarterback falls to you. You don't hope the prom queen is still available the night before the dance to ask her. Like, it's just a flawed philosophy from top to bottom. And I've been telling everybody this whole, you know, past month or so that, look, the Falcons are in a rebuild, whether they want to acknowledge it or not. And you can't rebuild a roster without the quarterback situation figured out, whether that's a veteran, whether that's a guy you have for the next three to four years, or that's a young quarterback that you're going to build around. You just can't do it. And right now, there's nothing to believe that Marcus Mariota is anything other than a Band-Aid, a bridge, a, a one- to two-year max gap, right, to get to whenever they feel like drafting the quarterback. 
That's my argument for taking a quarterback. If, if they believe it's me, Malik Willis, I'm fine with him at eight. But I am also fine with it under one caveat. Throw him to the Wolves and figure out if he can play. And if he can't play, guess what? Draft another one next year, just like the Arizona Cardinals did. Now, I know, again, they changed coaches, and it was a different regime, so it's a little bit easier. But you can't be afraid to move off a bad investment. Look, the Cincinnati Bengals had nobody. Uh, they had nobody when they threw Joe Burrow to the Wolves. A bad offensive line. They had T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd. A.J. Green was hurt his entire first year. They had, they had nobody to throw the ball to. But you could see, obviously, Joe Burrow could play. He made the competitive. So if you throw Malik Willis to the Wolves, and, and who cares if they're not winning? At least if the games are interesting, they're fun, they're competitive, and they have a chance to win them, you know you got a guy you can build around. Yeah, and I think, you know, I'm fully expecting Mariota to be under center no matter what they do week one. But if he's not under center, you know, week four, week eight, whatever it is, I, I do think, you know, I, I didn't think this way initially, but I'm coming around to it that, yeah, you got to see whether you, you especially if you're going to be so bad as the Falcons might be, that you could be in a position to get a Bryce Young or a CJ Stroud a year from now, which is not a given. And that's where I hesitate with like, you know, don't take anybody this year and, and punt it again and maybe Felipe Franks turns into something. That's not a, that's not a winning philosophy. Um, but yeah, you, you got to get them in there at some point, preferably early if they're ready, if you feel they're good about it um, and see what they can do. But I, I do think this team is not in a position where they can afford to say like they did a year ago when, when they had an opportunity to get a quarterback to sit behind Matt Ryan for a year or two, which I guess we don't have to rehash, but you know, <sighs> Yeah, and now the now it's a little bit more dire because again, to me, the one thing that you cannot do is be looking at the start of the 2023 season and somehow you kept missing, and you don't have a top guy, and you you know the free agent quarterback class a year from now is not good. We all know Kyler Murray's getting moved. We all know Lamar Jackson's getting re-signed. There's just not anybody out there. You have to get this done get a rookie at some point um, in the first few rounds, you know, you have the draft capital to make that happen, figure out if they can play. And then if they can't, you have to figure out something else, but you've probably put yourself in a position to go after a top guy. So, Hey. Yeah. It uh, it's again, I, I just have a problem with the rebuild without the quarterbacks. You just, you can't build a team around anything other than a quarterback in the NFL. There's just no way to do it. You can't, the Colts are, are a team that, you know, had Andrew Luck and they built around him. And then when he left, they were able to insert a quarterback. Now, twice they've been able to do that with Philip Rivers, Carson went three times, actually. Philip Rivers, Carson Wentz, and now Matt Ryan, uh, who are all fans of Indianapolis. We've changed from red to blue now. Uh, all hoping that, uh, uh, you know, d does really well. I was actually joking, Dave, with, with a couple of really hardcore Falcon fans, friends. I said, let me ask you a question and I'll ask you this thing. What would you rather have happen more this year? The Falcons make the postseason or Matt Ryan makes the AFC championship game. I'd always rather see the Falcons make the postseason. Because <laughs> I, mean, I, I got a lot of I hope Matt Ryan makes you know. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean I want I want him to do well. Like I, I would love to see the twilight of his career go really well. He gave a ton to the, the franchise, the city. Obviously, it'd be nice to see him function with a good defense. But yeah, I mean, obviously I am sick of watching the Falcons lose games like you know I'm wait, I'm sick of waiting for it's right around the corner you know let's 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 see a postseason birth it's not going to happen but I would rather see it for sure yeah yeah well look uh I know you will be there to help us cry in our beers and 
soak all of our tears yeah. up together as the falcoholic always is near and dear to my heart your entire staff is fantastic certainly appreciate all the great work and the time today uh enjoy thursday night as best you can have a cold beer in one hand tissues in the other and a bucket between your legs to vomit in if you need to i think that's how uh my my falcoholic friends will prepare for this whole deal i think that's true and uh you know let's both hope it's not a wide receiver let's go with that <laughs> amen brother dave showed of the falcoholic follow him on twitter at the falcoholic thanks for the time certainly appreciate it all right uh coming up next uh we will wrap things up here on this tuesday afternoon make sure you stay with us right here on a to z on locked on sports atlanta free on youtube and wherever you get your podcast search locked on sports atlanta Welcome back. It's A to Z here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Appreciate you guys making A to Z your first listen every single day. Make sure you check out all of the great shows we have here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Hitting hard with John Chuckery, ATL Day Ones, Jarvis Davis, Tanitra Batiste, as well as our our Braves postcast. As I'm forgetting, I'm trying to say my good buddy Grant McCauley. Our Braves postcast with Grant McCauley uh, every single day after Braves games. Don't forget about Locked On Falcons and Locked On Hawks with Aaron Freeman and Brad Rowland respectively appreciate you guys supporting the locked on sports atlanta network uh just so many great people here we're, we're certainly happy that you guys have chosen to make locked on sports atlanta part of your daily sports listen give me a follow on twitter at mark zino m-a-r-k-z-i-n-n-o of course at locked on atl on twitter as well all right hawks game five tonight against the miami heat uh it is not going to be pretty uh all that's left to do really is for the heat to put the hawks out of their misery uh they have been thoroughly dominated uh, on on both ends of the floor, uh, they've been thoroughly outcoached. Nate McMillan has kind of gotten a, a schooling from Eric Spolstra throughout the entire series. It, it hasn't been good. Uh, all that's left to do really is for the Hawks to get, get finished off by the Heat. Uh, and I think it happens in five games. I've kind of said from the beginning it was a gentleman's sweep. We talked yesterday just had the reality. Miami's just better than Atlanta. I don't think there's any other way to say it. I don't, I don't think anybody should really be that upset. I don't think your expectation should have been to get past this Heat team. Um, other than being super fanatical uh, and not objective, the Heat objectively were a better team than the Hawks, and they've given them trouble during the regular season, and they certainly have done that in the postseason. So uh, I don't say all that just to kind of rub it in, but I, I, it just, you know, for me, I think the series ends tonight. However, what I also think happens tonight is that Trey Young has a relatively good night. Uh, relatively good. Like, I don't think he'll get 35, but I think he'll be in the high 20s, maybe even 30. I know this much, objectively from watching Trey. I think deep in the back of his mind, Trey knows that his team isn't good enough to win this series, and I think that's okay. I, th I think athletes are are humans like everybody else. They kind of know, uh, and, and if they still genuinely had a shot and they still believe it, I, I think we would see a different output on the court. Um, and they're getting beat kind of resoundingly, and that's okay. But I, I also know that Trey is not going to go down without a fight. Uh, I know that he's not going to allow himself to have a single-digit scoring night. I think Trey's going to start really hot. I think he's going to give his team a chance to win this thing. I think they're going to stay in it, stay in the game. Ultimately, I think that Miami wins it, but the Hawks keep it closer than the seven, seven and a half points that they're getting uh, because Trey Young is going to carry his team and make sure that they're close enough. He's been getting beat up and covered and smothered and. He's like Waffle House hash browns at this point, scattered, smothered, and covered. Uh, and, and that's what Trey has been the whole series. And so that's fine, but I, I think Trey tonight will find a way to make shots early, get in a groove early, uh, and, and keep his team in the game while Miami is, is struggling. I still think Miami wins the game initially, but nonetheless, I would put my money on 
uh, Miami to win the game, but the Hawks to cover. And then we start the offseason and figure out where they go from here. Touched on that a little bit yesterday. You can go back and listen to that. And again, I'll ask the question. I'm not giving an answer. I will ask the question if you missed yesterday's show. Is Nate McMillan the guy to, to get this team to the next level? It's a fair question to ask. I don't have the answer yet, and I don't think you should either. But I just want to put the question out there in the ethos to figure out if that really is something that we need to start to address in the coming offseason. So best of luck to the Hawks tonight in Game 5. Uh, and, and remember, good teams win, great teams cover. Go Hawks. That said, um, the Atlanta Braves will start a series tonight with the Chicago Cubs. Uh, and all the panic, you know, got a day off because the Braves didn't play last night. Thank God. Screaming. Somebody tweeted me, the Mets won again last night. Yeah, my God, we're five and a half games out. Stop. The Mets are not going to continue to play 700 baseball. Nobody plays 700 baseball. It's really, really tough. Like the best records ever weren't playing 700 baseball. The, the 1998 Yankees that won 125 games didn't play 700 baseball. Well, I think they did. But other than that, so it, it's just not going to happen. The Mets will come back and the Braves will go up. It's going to be fine. Uh, Ronald Acuna's uh, appearance in Gwinnett yesterday was delayed, so they didn't play. And, and now we have to wait more for Acuna to get. Acuna is supposed to be here May 6th, and I'm totally happy with that. Totally okay. They can survive another week. It's going to be fine. It's going to be really fine. In fact, well, I guess I have to survive two more weeks, but regardless, there's no reason to panic about the Atlanta Braves. I keep telling you guys that, and I'm just going to wait. I'm going to keep reminding you, pump the brakes, settle down, relax. It's all going to be okay. There's no reason to get upset. Everything's going to be fine. Don't be upset about the Braves like people who are upset about Elon Musk buying Twitter. How's that sound? Is that a fair enough comparison? Uh, I don't know. Elon Musk bought Twitter. And I think, uh, the, I likened it to this comparison. I, I, people are losing their minds on this. I'm not really sure why. Uh, and some of you are saying, well, you know, it's cause you're a right wing conservative. What? Anyway, uh, that's ridiculous. Nonetheless, uh, I think, I think Twitter in and of itself, uh, and Elon Musk hopes Twitter users are essentially the same as NFL fans that it doesn't really matter what they do. It doesn't really matter how they change their product. It doesn't really matter, you know, uh, what bad stuff they do. They got their hooks in you and you're staying around. That's the NFL, right? Like no one's tuning the NFL out. I don't really know. And again, Twitter is like the, the smallest of all the, um, you know, social media platforms. Definitely smaller than Facebook, uh, Instagram. I don't know about TikTok and some of the other ones. But regardless, uh, it's. It, I think there's only like less than 10% of America is on Twitter. Or like only 10% of America is on Twitter. So it's not that large, comparatively speaking. Um, and uh, I think I, th I think Twitter's got its hooks in all of us. It's got its hooks in me. I just enjoy the scrolling. I enjoy the the crazy stuff you see on that godforsaken app. And it is bad. Although I did see somebody on Twitter say that Elon Musk should buy MTV and restart music videos. That I'm here for. 100%. That's what I want. I want more MTV back. Let's get back MTV raps. Let's bring back Cribs. Heck, let's bring back, uh, uh, what's that, uh, House of uh, Run's House, right? With Run DMC. I think it's called Run's House. It used to be on MTV. You can leave Jersey Shore. We don't need those guys anymore. They're good. But bring back the music videos. I'm all down for that. All right, that'll do it for us here on A to Z. 
here on this Tuesday. Uh, thank you so much for spending some time with me. I really appreciate it. Make, thanks for making A to Z your first listen every day. Make your next listen hitting hard with John Chuckery, Atlanta sports talker John Chuckery, every day and anytime. He gives the real fans' take on Atlanta sports. Hitting hard with John Chuckery, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, free on YouTube. And wherever you search your podcasts, search Locked On Sports Atlanta. You guys have a great day. Don't take any crap from anybody. See you.